Sandspence Radio, Australia's dumbest podcast network. Hello, fan fiction fans, and welcome to the Dear Harry Slash Spot podcast. This is a podcast where comedians read out their original fan fiction for your listening pleasure. Welcome, you beautiful, beautiful nerds. I'm Ellen Waddell, and I'm the co-creator and the host of the Dear Harry slash Spock Live Night, where many of these stories come from. It's on in London every other month. You should come along. It's pretty good. This is the third episode. Uh, That's right, we're officially a trilogy. So it's highly likely that by the end of this podcast, a key character will be killed off. Coming up, we have tales of EastEnders and dicks. Here at Bedchamber Portraits, you can sit for a full-dick portrait, a half-dick portrait, or just the tip. Our first story is from Suze Kempner. She's a comedian, she's a singer, and she's a viral tweeter. And she is the biggest fan of EastEnders. She's never missed an episode in her entire life. And for our international listeners who don't know what EastEnders is, it's basically the BBC's answer to Dallas except with more eels, markets, and drunken shouting in pubs. You'll quickly get the idea. Here's Suze. I've done my ultimate dream, which is I've written myself into an episode of EastEnders. Now, does anyone here watch EastEnders? Cool. No, it's fine, because I've made sure... What I've done is I've made it totally up-to-date so that if you hear this, it will make sense, and then you can go home and start watching it. And, frankly, you're fucking liars, because I know one in six people watch it, so... okay. (laughs) here we go. The sun rose early on Albert Square that day, and things were quiet. All that could be heard was the click of Whitney Dean's heels as she strode home from another misguided sexual encounter. She had these a lot between her various engagements, marriages and divorces due to her issues with men. Side note, she is 27. (laughs) The only other sound that could be heard was the bin trucks. Keep it down, would ya? hissed Whitney. The bin lorry drivers did not respond because if they did, the BBC would have to pay them a walk-on fee. (laughs) I made my way across the square to number 43, my new house. As I slipped my key into the door, a man popped his head over the fence. All right, he said, I'm Ian Beale. (laughs) Oh, hi. I guess we're neighbours now. I'm Suze, I said. Nice to meet you, chimed Ian. I live here with my son Bobby, who recently came out of prison. He's one of only two of my kids who is still alive. (laughs) In prison, he became a Muslim. Wow, overshare Ian, I thought. (laughs) Letting myself into my new house, I realised I was parched and decided what I needed was a cup of tea. I'd seen a cafe across the square and figured it would be open... And by the way, all of this is geographically accurate. <laughs> so, and I, didn't, I didn't need to check. <laughs> In the cafe, a happy lady with blonde hair and a voice that sounded ravaged by a thousand cigarettes was serving tea and bacon sandwiches. 
Hi, I'm Suze. I'm new here in Albert Square. One cup of tea, please. Hi, I'm Kathy. No problem. Coming right up. Oh, Kathy. Ha <laughs> ha. Cass, calf. I quipped, and we both laughed for three minutes. Have you moved to one of them new flats on Bridge Street? No, I'm at number 43. That's where I live with my son, Ian. I just met him, I said. He told me one of his only still-living children recently came out of prison. Kathy's eyes grew suddenly sad. Yes, Bobby. He killed his sister, Lucy, who is also my granddaughter. I'm so sorry, I said, meaning it too. <laughs> oh, well, can't be helped. Kathy was sunny once more. And she, she probably wouldn't get serious again for several episodes. Which is what they call days in that specific part of London. I sat at a table and took in my surroundings. Over by the toilet was an old lady clutching a Bible. She noticed me looking over. Hello, dear. <laughs> you do watch it. You <laughs> <laughs> You look troubled. Are you? I looked down at my hands. Whatever's troubling you, it's best to just get it out, dear. That's what my old friend Dr. Leg would have said. If he was still alive, but he ain't, he died. There was something about this old, old woman that made me feel like I could pour out all my troubles to her. Tell me your secrets and I'll tell you no lies forsooth. Matthew 9.17 My name's Dot Cotton, by the way. Hi, Dot. Well, it's a brand new decade in a troubled world. I need a new job and I, I just thought a change of scenery would do me good here in East London, Zone 2, where the average house price is about £800,000. <laughs> you, you must all be very rich. Oh no, dear, regular folk here in Albert Square, 45 seconds from the tube. <laughs> but people still regularly drive, you'll notice that. Welcome to your scenery change. Jesus' love is all around. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Love is all around me, and so the feeling grows. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. <laughs> Just then, a man walked in. He was around five foot seven, with a perfectly spherical head, and skin as red as tomato soup. All right, Kef, he said breathily. Bacon sarny when you're ready. In a minute, Phil... Oh, they got the same voice. Um, <laughs> in a minute, Phil, Kathy brought my tea over to me. That's Phil, my ex-husband and father of my gay son, Ben, who often gets involved in crimes, then disappears for a while, but that's fine. She breezed off. This Phil guy, for some reason I couldn't understand, and possibly nobody outside Albert Square could understand, was irresistible. <laughs> he took a wad of cash from the pocket of his trousers and paid for his sandwich. Seeing me, he said, Watcher, Phil Mitchell. And I felt my insides turn to jelly. I could feel myself blush red. 
I was now 65% as red as him. <laughs> She's new to Albert Square, said Dot helpfully. Even her ancient eyes filling with lust, unbridled at the sight of Phil Mitchell. Couldn't you help her out with a job, Phil? What, down the arches or the snooker halls? Give over, said Phil. I gasped. He was a business owner. But no job for me. Hmm. <laughs> Stop. All right. <laughs> Just then, who should walk in but Danny Dyer from Football Factory, Human Traffic, and seriously, a number of Harold Pinter plays. <laughs> All right, Mick, said Cathy. Why was she calling him Mick? This was clearly Danny Dyer. <laughs> Hello, darling. Hello, darling, he authentically cockneyed. <laughs> Mick, uh, got any shifts going down the Vic for Sue's? If you want to shift my treacle, come down to Vic tonight, you start at six. Wow, thanks, I said. He winked and left. He hadn't bought anything. <laughs> he was just popping him. The pleasant atmosphere changed just then. Get out, Sharon, Phil growled. I'm still your wife, Phil. Wife? Just my luck. This Sharon had a voice like golden syrup poured from a can onto shreddies. Her ash-blonde waves were root-free and complemented by a full lash. It was 7.45am. <laughs> I wondered what this goddess, who seemed to be having a trouble-free pregnancy despite clearly being 50, could have done. <laughs> could have done to warrant such anger from Phil. I may be your husband, but not for much longer. That's my teenage daughter's boyfriend's baby you're carrying. Phil, Kathy stepped in. Be careful, your newish liver. <laughs> Sharon's lips twitched like a cat having a dream. She turned on her six-inch stilettos and swished out of the cafe, <laughs> also buying nothing. <laughs> Phil didn't watch her go, though. Oh, no, his eyes were fixed on me. I felt myself turn redder still. 20% more red, and I'd be only 5% less red than Phil Mitchell himself. I, I, I'm sorry about your wife getting pregnant by your teenage daughter's boyfriend, I blurted out. His name's Keanu, said Cathy. Really? I said. <laughs> Phil turned 15% more red. He was now 40% more red than me. Then his face softened and returned to his neutral level of 100%. <laughs> yeah, well, <sighs> these things happen. With that, Cathy gave him his sandwich and he took it with hands weathered from owning multiple businesses and left the cafe. I caught my breath. Your son, Cathy, when he disappears, where do you think he goes? Oh, I don't know, love, Cathy graveled. When people left Albert Square in the old days, they used to go on the bill. <laughs> but, but now they tend to end up in West End musicals. <laughs> Wherever my Ben goes, I know that when he finally returns, he'll always look completely different. <laughs> Currently, there have been seven actors who've played Ben. <laughs> okay. He's 25, I <laughs> think. Okay. She looked wistful. I smiled, finished my tea, and made my way back to my new abode. 
My feelings of positivity dissipated, though, as I kept remembering Phil Mitchell and how I couldn't have him. His heart clearly still belonged to Sharon. Then I saw her, a cube-shaped woman in a fuchsia trench coat with earrings as big as shoes sat at my kitchen table smoking. It was my third cousin, twice removed, Pat Butcher. Pat, I cried. You've been dead eight years. She waggled her head. I've come back as a ghost before on Albert Square, she drawled. Which is true, they did bring her back as a ghost for one episode. <laughs> so this is canon. Okay. Oh, Pat, I started weeping. What do I do? I've... Don't tell me. You've instantly fallen in love with Phil Mitchell. <laughs> yes, Pat, I have. But, but Sharon... If you want him, Pat interrupted, suddenly serious. You go get him, girl. Really, Pat? I yearned. Who knows, love? Maybe he'll take you. No, I gasped. Up west, Pat purred. Up the what? I quipped borderly. (laughs) And with that, Pat disappeared. In just a few episodes, a.k.a. days, I vowed, as the credits began to roll, I'll have my fill. Thank you. Thank you very much, Suze Kempner. Um, I've never seen a full episode of EastEnders, but I imagine what Suze did is very, very close. When it comes to saving money, there is one online expert everyone in this country turns to. And I recently embarrassed myself on stage talking about him. It's me, Mario! No, it's me, Ellen. It's a dark, rainy night in London, and I've come to a seedy public house situated in the borough known as Islington. Legend has it that if you're in the need of financial advice, there is a man in this tavern who can help. I knock thrice on an old red door and enter. I spy a shadowy figure in the corner of the room. He wears a whole body cloak, a bit like the one Viggo Mortensen wore in Lord of the Rings when you first see him in The Prancing Pony. And you're like, is he attractive? I can't tell. (laughs) I drop to my knees before the cloak figure and ask, are you the one they call the money-saving expert? (laughs) And that's when he takes off his cloak and unveils himself, part blogging genius, part financial wizard, or spunky hunk Martin Lewis. He's like your dad's fit friend, but it wouldn't be weird if you shagged him. (laughs) I am he, he replies, and I humbly place a recent bank statement at his feet. Oh, money expert, I'm in dire need of your advice. I'm deep in my overdraft and only recently paid back £40 of my student loan, even though I graduated 12 years ago. Sorry, (laughs) Mum. How dare you, he screams. You sully this sacred temple of financial responsibility with your lazy attitude and terrible spending habits. Please, I beg, it's not my fault. I am a millennial and a woman. (laughs) You know what we're like, always spending our husband's money on stockings and Tupperware and barbiturates. (laughs) Let's get down to business, he says. Did you know you can reuse old nail varnish to decorate photo frames and give them to your family members as birthday presents? (laughs) I shudder with pleasure. My family would love that. He adds that I should stop paying for Netflix and just watch shows through my neighbour's window. I laugh. Of course I don't pay for Netflix. I use my boyfriend's account. 
and mess up his algorithm so Netflix thinks he's really into films with a strong, independent female lead. <laughs> your bank statement. I notice that you're with the Barclays Bank. Any reason, he asks? Yes, Martin. My mum opened an account for me when I was a baby. I think she was taken in by the promise of a free piggy bank that looked like an actual pig. Except it wore a suit. But Martin, I add sexily, we both know pigs don't wear suits. Before he can reply, ask, tell me, is there a MrsMoneySavingExpert.com? I am married to my job, he replies, and also Barbara. He asks whether I have a mortgage. I laugh and say, lolcopter. Of course. I don't have one because I'm not only a millennial, but I also went into the arts. Martin asks what my main outgoings are. I tell him it's mainly Kinder Eggs. I buy them for myself if I feel sad or I'm on my period or a cat looks at me weird. He tells me that if I stop buying these things, I could probably save up for a deposit on a house in London by the time I am dead. He asks how often I buy new mascara and I reply that I wait until it smells weird. He seems to like that answer and he offers me a cheeky smile. But it's too much, I can't take it anymore. Oh, Martin, I scream, tearing off my shirt. Fuck me and tell me how to save money by switching my contact lens supplier. (laughs) He pauses about to protest, but then he looks at my bra. That bra, he says, it looks so cheap. Its beigeness is screaming at me. It's from Primark, I reply. I only spend money on things I can eat. And then he kisses me and our tongues entwine like two snakes having a little wrestle. And we fall on the floor in a passionate embrace. And then he makes a deposit inside my bank. <laughs> With his dick. The end. Wasn't that brilliant? I'm brilliant. Congratulations to me on being brilliant. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. And now we have a podcast exclusive. Guys, I can't believe this, but we've actually been given the first trailer ever for the latest Star Trek spinoff. Please enjoy this exclusive to Dear Harry Sashbok. First, Netflix had Discovery, the show that did the impossible and revived Star Trek on TV for the sixth time. Then, Amazon Prime cashed in with Picard, boldly going where everyone had gone before. Now, Apple TV Plus brings you the show you really want to see. Star Trek O'Brien. Featuring everyone's second favorite transporter operator, Chief Miles O'Brien. Hello. I'm O'Brien. You remember him, the questionably depicted Irish one. Are you friendly with the Romulans now? So why don't we all get drunk and sing the Minstrel Boy? 
The minstrel boy to the war has gone. Who stood gone. behind a transporter deck when everyone else was busy, then left the Enterprise to become a fixture on Deep Space Nine. I think I'm in charge of something now. And now, he's back. Dragged out of retirement from Starfleet, he has one final mission to do the thing he loves the most push buttons. But they're important buttons. This one's for the tea, this one's for the coffee, and this one's for space pudding. Featuring cameos from all your favorites Kiko O'Brien, who, if you haven't forgotten, was his wife. Damn it, Miles. I'm your wife. If you haven't forgotten. Tasha Yar. You thought she was dead. And you were right. She is. But also alive in an alternate timeline. And maybe a ghost or something. It doesn't matter. She's here. And a family of adorable Tribbles. Join us for Star Trek O'Brien. He'll get a lock on you. Unless he can't. Which is pretty likely. Thanks to Jules Garnet for writing that absolutely amazing piece of joy. An additional thanks to Jonathan Brooke, Catherine Bennett Fox, and Charlie Kemp for bringing it to life. Our final story is from improviser Alice Sanders, and it heavily features willies, penises, wangs, cocks, and ball sacks. Hi, Mum. So for me, it is the perfect story and a lovely way to end the show. Enjoy. Um, if we're talking about niche, are there any um, fans of the Elizabethan era in tonight? <laughs> um, are, there, are there any fans of Renaissance portraiture? <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is going to go real well. <clears throat> So yeah, hi, my name's Alice, and um, as one of the many things that I do for money in my millennial portfolio career is, <laughs> is that I'm a tour guide. And one of the reasons that I'm a tour guide is that I really love history, um, in particular the Elizabethan period, which is kind of like being into Star Trek or Harry Potter in a way, in that the world building is excellent and makes sense all in context, but it's quite hard to imagine yourself in it without a microwave oven or the right to vote. <laughs> and that's why I like to imagine the real nitty-gritty of Elizabethan life. I want to know what they ate for breakfast, what medical care was like without anaesthetics or analgesics. I'm fascinated by Renaissance portraiture and all the signs and symbols hidden within it. And, of course, without phones or cameras, how on earth did a young squire send dick pics? <laughs> To his lady or gentleman friends. So here is my fanfic piece. Dick portraiture for the Renaissance gentleman. (laughs) Art thou looking to impress thy lover? Hast thou reached the stage of thy relationship where thou desire to take things to the upper floor? Or dost thou simply think if thy paramour set her eyes on thy manhood... She will verily dote on thou forever. It is time for you to sit for a portrait of thy dick. (laughs) Even Gloriana herself enjoyeth a portrait of a dick, 
For though she may have the heart and stomach of a king, she hath the lady parts of a lady. <laughs> Chooseth thy portrait type. Here at bedchamber portraits, you can sit for a full-dick portrait, a half-dick portrait, or just the tip. <laughs> we recommend the full-dick portrait so that thy lady might truly pickest up what thou layest down. You may sit for thy portrait in our special studio chamber where soft light through yonder window breaks, flattering thy dick. (laughs) Worry not, bedchamber portraiture has made all the furniture slightly smaller than normal, (laughs) so thy member may seem bigger. All penises are painted in accordance with the golden ratio. To create the perfect masturbatory aesthetic. <laughs> Chooseth thine accessories. In thy portrait thou might profess to thy lady who thou art. For are we, are we not all more than just our large and manly fallacies? If law is thy profession, why not adorn thy dick with a tiny barrister's wig? <laughs> <laughs> If thou art skilled in the art of fencing, why not drape thy dick over a gauntlet? <laughs> Ladies love armored gloves, and it will put her in mind of throwdown, you know, like you do with a gauntlet before a duel. <laughs> Optional miscellanea. <laughs> if thou truly want to impress thy lady and save for posterity thy impressive old chap, We can include thy family's crest and motto in the portrait. (laughs) Some good fellows choose to source up the motto. For example, cogito ergo cum. I think, therefore I come. (laughs) Or, du et madroit, branyant, furismont. God and my right, furiously jerking off. (laughs) This is the motto, of course, of the royal bedchamber. The artist can also include a memento mori in the background, such as the skeleton of a dead cockerel, to remind thou lady of the fleeting nature of erections. <laughs> Carpe dicum, seize the dicks. <laughs> Next to thy dick, we oft paint a still life, like a comely bowl of fruits. Grapes are the symbol of Bacchus, showing her that you are fun, light-hearted, and enjoy quaffing ale. Pomegranates show her that you desire something more serious, marriage and an heir. A bowl of aubergines represents your erection. (laughs) And it it is painted right next to your erection, giving thou truly the biggest dick energy. In a similar throbbing vein, if thou... If thou would like to highlight thy wealth, a couple of extremely blue veins can be painted in, for lapis lazuli is the most expensive color. This will highlight the nobility of your boner, gentle sir. You could also, of course, wrap it up in a tiny ermine. This will also serve to keep it warm. (laughs) Our artists. Prithee, thou dost not want to come across too strong, therefore one of our skillful artists shall paint thy Johnson with an ambiguous expression. Like the Mona Lisa, for centuries ladies will stare into the eye of thy knob and wonder if he is smiling at them. We also have special artists to render accurately the folds and drapes of thy scrotal sack. 
visit us. If thou would like to commission a fine dick portrait, please visit us here at Bedchamber Portraits, 69 Lover's Lane. <laughs> it's a cheap joke, but we all enjoy it. <laughs> Accolades. Our Virgin Queen Elizabeth has given us her royal seal of approval, which we must stress, for legal reasons, has not been broken. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, guys. Please subscribe and review us and recommend the show to everyone you've ever met, ever will meet, and the people in your dreams. Stay subscribed if you want to hear a Pokemon rap, a sexy reboot of Robot Wars, and a wonderfully obsessive tale of my old band, Los Campesinos. That's right. The show has already got up its own ass. Hi, Mum. You can follow me on social media at Ellen Starbuck. And please join our Instagram, Facebook and Twitter for live dates and hot gossip. It's basically slash Dear Harry Spock on everything. Dear Harry slash Spock was written and presented by me, Ellen Waddell. Hello. The show was produced and engineered by him, Steve Dawson. Hello. It was brought to you by the word wang. Bye, Mum. <laughs> <laughs>